Who are the who are the greatest partners that you've you've ever thought of? If you say Smith and Wesson, I'm going to know all about you. <laughs> or if you say Bonnie and Clyde, that's a that's a giveaway about what you think would be a great partnership. But uh, what are some that you would say would be great partnerships? Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy. Okay. Roy and Dale. Okay, Roy and Dale. What? Ben and Jim. Ben and Jim. <laughs> Now, I know where you are right now. You, you're thinking of Chunky Monkey or something, right? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, there, there are a lot of great partnerships that are in our, in our world, and, and we, just, we could make a long list of them tonight, just going through and thinking about people who have come together, partnered together to do incredible things. And sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it's like, you know, the Reese's, uh, the peanut butter and the chocolate. You know, you got my... Chocolate and your peanut butter and all that. And um, sometimes that happens. It's a great accident, but it's a great partnership. And um, one of the things that uh, I, I noticed online, there was a, a website about partnerships. And it's uh, all about uh, giving you advice and consultation on how to form a partnership and, and be successful at it. But they've mentioned a, a couple of them. Uh, examples of great business partners in history. Coca-Cola. Uh, and uh, now you, Matthew, you work at Coca-Cola, yeah. right? Okay, that was for you. You don't work at McDonald's, do you? No. Okay, no, no, well, that'd be a great partnership. I don't work at Pepsi, which we could not play together. That, yeah, that would, be, that would be a tough thing. Uh, Coca-Cola and McDonald's partner up to serve a truly great lunch. And uh, then also Nike and Apple partnered to uh, create a great running experience so that you can uh, have a little Nike chip in your shoe, and as you're running, it'll track your running but you can also um, get everything you need to be able to have everything you need to listen to while you're out there running. And then uh, Ferrari and Shell made great partners when they win a, a 12 uh, FIA Formula One driver title. Uh, you can tell I'm not a racing fan. <laughs> but another great partnership. What is it that makes for a great partnership? As you think in your own mind, maybe it's in a relationship or maybe it's in your business, maybe it's in, in your neighborhood or something that you do where you have discovered the ingredients for a great partnership. Well, there are a lot of characteristics that we could list. And uh, there's a book by Michael Eisner uh, from who was the uh, CEO of Disney. And I don't know if you've seen this book, uh, Working Together, Why Great Partnerships Succeed. And as you go through that book, you can see some of those characteristics that are there and the, the synergy that uh, partners can bring to the table and be able to use to do incredible things, things that they could not do separately. And it's a beautiful sight to see that. Well, as we've heard from our, our gospel text today, there is uh, a great display of partnership. There is a great invitation for partnership. And we find the ingredients of the kind of partnership that God wants to have with us. That God wants to have with you and with me in this whole idea of partnership in this world. So what is it that makes for a good partnership with God? We might just think off top of our heads, well, going to church, I'm here tonight, give me credit, you know, it was raining outside you don't have donuts on Sunday nights, uh, do we? I don't think we do. Um, 
you know, there might be a lot of things that you would uh, list, going to church or giving an offering or maybe even serving out in the community. And you, you would say, those are all the things that make up my partnership with God. I do my part, God does His part, and I feel pretty good about it. But that's really not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus gives some great ideas in, in this text. And really, we have two different stories that are coming together, and yet they, they fit together perfectly. And so I want us to look at, at just several things here tonight that I think really stand out that will help us as we go back into our week, as we go back into the things that we have to do tomorrow to live in this partnership with God. Well, Jesus begins, uh, or Mark begins this story with Jesus going to his hometown. And as he is going there to his, his hometown, I, I did bring my Bible this time. Uh, I'm pretty low-tech here tonight. Uh, but it's a little different translation than, than the one that you heard uh, because I, I didn't bring that one in here with me. But Jesus left there and He went to His hometown accompanied by His disciples. And when the Sabbath came, He began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard Him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given Him? What are these remarkable miracles that He is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. One of the other words that is, is used there is just amazed. They, they were amazed, but it wasn't in a positive way. They, they were offended by what Jesus was saying. And you can just get that idea of maybe you've been pretty good at something and you, you go home uh, back to your, uh, your neighborhood or back to your, your home um, school, your high school or whatever, and, and um, no one really recognizes you for who you are now. It's who you were then. And that is the challenge with going to uh, high school reunions, is it not? That and not being able to rec recognize anybody or them not being able to recognize you maybe. And there is this difficulty of going home. And Jesus goes home. And I think... He expected to be welcomed a little more than he was. That he had been out teaching and preaching and doing miracles and all kinds of things. And he's coming home and looking forward to a warm welcome. I mean, the, the people in the other cities, there were some really hostile religious people that gave him a hard time. But this is his home. These are the people that he knows and that he grew up with. But therein lies the problem, I guess. And so there was a lot of envy that was there, I'm sure. There was that, that sense of, uh, well, he's really, uh, you know, gone from here. He, he's, he's definitely progressed beyond where we are. And so there is that element of pulling him down and making sure that he's back on their level. And so Jesus goes into this community and, and they don't believe him. And that's one of the, the telling things that is here. Jesus said to them, only in their own towns, among their relatives and in their own homes, are prophets without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. That's a little phrase that, that I've been pondering all week. He was amazed at their lack of faith. I mean, really? Jesus was amazed? I mean, Jesus knew everything, right? And as he enters into this hometown of his, you'd think he would have a pretty good read on it. And yet he walks away amazed. And I think we can pull a lot of the humanity of Christ out of that one statement. 
That yes, Jesus was disappointed. Yes, Jesus got angry. He was hurt. And he was amazed that they didn't believe in what God was doing in and through him. And it says that the, the evidence of this was that he, he didn't do any miracles there. Or just a few. He healed a few people. I mean, there were just a few people who believed in him and who received him for who he was. But the others, it didn't happen. Jesus is leaving his hometown with this limit and this restriction on his power. You see the partnership that was supposed to be there? There was no belief in Jesus. They were offended. And you get the idea Jesus was stepping on their feet a little bit. That he was saying some things that were a bit on the radical side. And Mark doesn't give us all of, of, of what he says, but we can read in, in the Gospels and get an understanding of the way that Jesus taught and the things that he said and the way that he challenged people. And that is what's taking place here. And so they're offended at him. There was no belief. In this uh, painting uh, of Michelangelo's, whoops, uh, not the ear, but the fingers, uh, <laughs> One of the things, and you've, you've seen this, creation of Adam, and we've put the creation of Eve up there as well, but this uh, is, is so descriptive of the idea of partnership. And, and you see God reaching over. I didn't have space to show everything, but you see God reaching over. There was a, a man named uh, Brian Bazer at First Baptist Church in Shreveport. I remember being on a men's retreat with him, and just an incredible guy. If you ever... Uh, went there, you probably got a piece of gum from him. He was the gum guy. Juicy fruit, big red, he'd ask you what you wanted and he'd give you a piece of gum. But on this men's retreat, we were looking at this painting and the uh, speaker was asking us to just describe kind of what we thought about it. And he came up with something I had never thought about before, maybe you have, but uh, just how Adam's finger is turning down. How you get the idea that God is reaching out with his energy and with his strength. And Adam is like, I'm not real sure that I want to connect. And I think Michelangelo is giving us a lot of information about humankind. And about our rebellion, about our independence. About our desire to really just do it on our own and not partner with God. But God's hand just continues to move. And we see that fulfillment in Jesus as Jesus becomes that connection point between God and humankind that he reconciles us together so that there could be a connection. And so as we think about all of this and we think about where we are in that, we need to understand that we can partner with God. We can live in partnership with him through our belief. And the word belief here that Jesus, uh, that Mark is using to describe all of this is action. It's about commitment. It was never about propositional truth or uh, different statements that you could, you could give or creeds that you could, you could say or confessions. It wasn't about that at all. It was about action. It's about serving God in the community. It's about loving God and loving neighbor and, and bearing the fruit of that relationship. And we need to be in that kind of partnership. And we need to realize God's desire to be in that partnership with us. Maybe you don't think about that a lot. Things happen. Things come in, into our lives and we have challenges and struggles and busyness and all kinds of situations. And, and we tend to not think as much about the idea that God has called us to partner with Him. 
We believe so many things about ourselves. We, we believe uh, usually all the wrong things about ourselves. We tend to think on the negative, don't we? And it's always harder to think positively. Yet the partnership of God is all about the, the wonderful creation that he has made you to be. And it's about realizing God's desire to reach out and to connect with you. To be involved in this wonderful partnership in the world. And it, it comes from understanding what God's aim is with this partnership. I mean, McDonald's and Coca-Cola got together because they're, they're bringing the best French fries and the best uh, cold beverage um, that you could drink together in McDonald's. I mean, there's just no question about that. I'll take a check after this is over. <laughs> you know, just this beautiful collaboration. That's another big word that seems to be out there today in, in all the business circles. Collaboration. People collaborating together and partnering together. But why? Well, God has a mission. God is all about the kingdom of God. Or Jesus would talk about the kingdom of heaven. It is this, this way of living in this world as though God were really king. That we would be his servants and that we would love people with this special kind of kingdom love. And this is what this partnership is really all about. God partnering with us, the sinful human beings that we are, to do his incredible kingdom things right here in this world. To tell other people about his love and his grace and to invite people to come and to follow Jesus. Well, the, the second thing that, that uh, Mark provides for us as an example here is that it's a matter of hearing the uh, call to partnership with God. It's about hearing it. If you look back here in, in verse 7 that's here, it says, Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Uh, the first thing I think of there is the ark, you know, the two by two. And, and this is the method that Jesus uses to send them out into the, the community. He is uh, still amazed at the unbelief in his city. And so he is, in a sense, shaking the dust off his feet, gathering his disciples together. By the way, they, if you remember in the very beginning, they followed him into the city. They were with him. They saw all of this. And yet they continue to follow. He gathers them together. He says, okay, I want you all to go out two by two. And he gives them this special authority. And then it says, these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money. Uh, wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if in any place, any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So this was a journey that, that Jesus was calling them to. And they were in a place in their lives where they could listen and they could hear. How many of us would go out two by two uh, to leave our bags and you know go out in sandals uh, to, to just go out there and tough it telling people to repent and uh, running into uh, the demons of the world and casting them out and healing people. I think we'd all be challenged by that. And, and we would question whether or not we could even do those things. And yet here they are. They hear and they discern God's call to partnership. This is what God wants us to do. These are, these are the instructions of Jesus to go and to do all these things. 
And it ties right in with what Jesus said uh, that he came in this world to do. And it ties right in with John the Baptist and the prophets and the others. They all came into the world to call the world to turn from their sins and their agendas and their kingdoms to God's kingdom. And so this is what took place. And they, they heard this calling that was going on. There is a, a book that's written by Bill Hybels. And uh, it's a story about him helping uh, a lady that he saw as he was going home from church. And this is out of his book, The Power of a Whisper. It says, after uh, attending a funeral, as my wife Lynn and I approached our car, I spotted a frail elderly woman pulling into the nearby apartment complex. She parked her car and began uh, to slowly and laboriously pull grocery bags out of her trunk. How about helping that woman with her groceries? The Holy Spirit seemed to prompt. I initially brushed past the whisper because Lynn was with me and we were ready to go. But I had just made that offer to God. If, if there is something that you would like me to do, dot, dot, dot. I knew I had to comply, uh, he said to Lynn. I've got this little pact going with God and I need to go help that woman with her groceries for a minute. I approached the elderly woman. Can I give you a hand with your groceries, I asked. Oh yes, thank you, she said, relieved. The driveway leading back to her apartment was roped off meaning residents had to walk a few hundred yards just to get from their cars to their homes. I knew that this small act of kindness would honor God and help meet a real need. What I didn't know was that those grocery sacks uh, boasted 30 pounds of fresh peaches each. Pretending the added weight didn't affect me a bit, I said, all set here, you lead the way. And she began winding through backyards that had become swamps due to recent rains. It turns out the woman was extremely arthritic and had some sort of emphysema that forced us to take a breather every 45 seconds or so. It took us a full 30 minutes to make our way to her apartment. And by the time we arrived, we were tight. I had learned more about this dear woman's life than I ever could have hoped to know. We entered the, her modest home and I set the sacks on the counter before turning to shake her hand and then let myself out through the front door. The woman left her bony, wrinkled hand in mine long after the handshake was done. I'll believe to my dying day that God sent you to me to help me just now, she said. The whole deal felt so inglorious. The wet feet, the longer than expected trek, the lack of any earth-shattering results. And yet as I walked away from the apartment complex, something in my spirit felt right. God had whispered a simple instruction my way. And this time I had actually slowed down enough to listen. There is no greater feeling in the world than to hear and to heed God's voice. He says, I've come to believe over time that it is the little acts of obedience that invite God's power to fully flow in our lives. When you and I prove ourselves faithful with the small whispers, He entrusts us with bigger ones. And when we follow through on those big ones, big kingdom results can be gathered. That's a powerful story of just taking a step in the direction that God is calling. And that's what the disciples did. And that's what God calls us to do. And we can partner with Him when we hear His call. When was the last time you heard a whisper from God? It's kind of scary, isn't it? You could be like Joan of Arc and hear all kinds of voices, but how do you know which one is God's voice? And, and, and how is God speaking to you? And, 
And what kinds of things is he calling you to do? I think that comes from listening more and more and obeying what God gives us to do more and more. So be open to God's voice as you go into this next week. And, and try to, as best you can, not be like the people in Jesus' hometown who they had ears and they were there, but Jesus would say to so many other people that would be just like them, some have ears to hear and others don't. And I think it really comes down to an individual uh, decision on our part. Do we really want to listen to what God has to say? Do we want to put ourselves in a place where we can really hear the word of God that is coming to us? Well, it's not just about opening our ears. It's about catching the details as well. It means that you're going to have to uh, do some things in your life. Maybe it is to leave something behind. They had to leave their uh, bags behind. They were dressing for a, a fairly short trip. They were going to wear sandals and just one shirt and just the basics. And they were going, going to go from house to house and they were going to do what God had called them to do and, and then they would come back and gather and talk about it. But there were some things they had to do. There were some details. There, there was a cost that was involved in them following. And they heard all of these things. And maybe the other people heard that that was coming in the hometown. You know, they just decided, well, I, I'm not going to leave anything behind. I've got too much going on. Right now is not a good time for me to follow Jesus around. So I'm not going to listen. But it comes down to hearing. But finally, it's following God's call to partnership. This description that Mark gives us in verse 12, he says, they went out and preached that people should repent. And in the NRSV, it says, so they went out. Mark just puts a little note there. So they went out. I mean, Jesus called them. And so they just, they went on out. There's no bickering. There's no arguing. There's, uh, there's really no indication there that they had any problem with what was getting ready to happen. They just obeyed and went out. And incredible kinds of things happened. It says that they drove out many demons and they anointed many sick people with oil and they healed them. They all followed in the way they were to go. And as they did so, some pretty exciting things happened. And I'm sure they were wondering, <laughs> what just happened? I mean, feeling uh, the power of, of Christ going through them into these people and uh, seeing their hands and their, their words doing the very same things that Jesus was doing with his hands and his words as he was healing people and uh, freeing them up from all the things that oppressed them in life. They were getting to do that. That was God's end of the bargain. That was God's end of the partnership, that they could participate in the things that really matter to God. Well, we partner with God when we follow His call to partnership. In fact, we just, we can't really move forward spiritually unless we're willing to follow. And, and it means just going out. I wonder if that description could be on your tombstone or mine. Um, so he went out, or so she went out. Went out and did the things of God and did the things that really mattered in life. And there's so many things that we put our hands to that just don't matter. In fact, I would say probably most of the things that you will do this next week probably don't have much eternal significance. Think about it. And that's no judgment on you. I'm saying it to myself just as much. There's so many things that we have to do just to, to get through this life 
But how many of those are really our top priority or should be our top priority? It's a matter of following. And it's a matter of recognizing that we go out together as well. We go out as a church and we do things in this community. We go out as individuals and we make a difference in our relationships, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and wherever we happen to be. It's always about going out, not so much about coming together all the time. But he also mentions the results, and they're true for us as well. Now, I don't know if you're going to be able to cast out any demons or uh, be able to, uh, to heal anybody. If you do, be sure to let the rest of us know and, and get it uh, missional moment. Get it on your video camera. Um, but it just means that God will work through you in powerful and mighty ways. And he might decide to do those things through you. But there are so many other things that I know he wants to do through you into the life of somebody else as well. And it, it doesn't matter if you've been in church for a long time or if you just um, are a casual uh, church attender. It doesn't matter at all. Because God will use you if you allow him to use you. And you will experience results. And we need to see that as a church, not just as individuals, that God would continue to work through us. And sometimes we see immediate results. Maybe you're tutoring someone to pass a test and they pass the test and you rejoice with them about doing that. Or maybe it's taking a meal to someone who is elderly and uh, they get that meal and they enjoy it and they thank you for it and you see the immediate result. But some of the things we do, we're not going to see the results until we get to heaven. But the great thing is that, that God has guaranteed them. There's a story about a, a man in Africa, and it's debated about where, which city or what uh, particular place he was in. Uh, but it, it's a, a poem that he wrote. Uh, he was um, arrested and told that if he did not um, uh, just reject his Christian faith, then he was going to be executed. And so he decided he was not going to reject his Christian faith, that he would embrace it. And so he knew the next day that they would have his head. But he writes this, this poem, and, and we've read this before, I think, uh, in one of our, our, our meals and, and our prayers that we've had. And it's something that a friend of mine wrote to me in, in the cover of a book when I was in college. And I just remember reading it thinking, wow, this is the, this is the way to live right here. The Fellowship of the Unashamed. Listen to these words. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, Smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed vision, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road, it's narrow. My way is rough, my companions are few, my guide, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, 
you will have no trouble recognizing me because my banner will have been clear. This guy, whoever he was, certainly understood calling to partnership with God. And so may we. Let us pray.